This is from Colossians 3, 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Leah. Hey, as we get started, I want to run this by you. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. When some of y'all hear that phrase, I recognize that some of y'all are coming from places of legalistic backgrounds, places where you've been damaged by the church, um, taking statements like that and putting a weight on you that you were not meant to bear. And so tonight, Jesus is, is speaking his word to us. And when Jesus comes to speak to us, it's always to give life. It's always to bring flourishing. And so when I pray for us now, I'm going to ask that y'all would pray along with me, especially those of you who are coming from that, that kind of past, and just pray that the Lord would quiet those voices so that you could hear his, okay? Father, we gather tonight, and we are thankful to be here. We're thankful to be yours. Thank you for being a good father, for being a good king, for leading us, for giving us life. Lord, for meeting all of our needs in abundance. And so tonight, we ask again that you would come and fulfill your promise. You promise that your word never returns void. So we ask that you would come and that you would convict our hearts where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage our hearts where we need to be encouraged, and that you would deepen our understanding and give us a greater vision and a greater hunger for who you are, for who you really are, not, not the image that we would make of you, but for who you are, Jesus, and that that would transform us. And we ask that in your name, amen. So how many of y'all have a friend or someone in your life who smells bad? and doesn't know it. Just give a hand. Okay, if that person's with you, if you would just point. <laughs> Guys, it's real. It's called olfactory fatigue. Does anybody know what olfactory fatigue means? Sounds like a clothing store. Olfactory fatigue is another word for nose blindness, which is uh, this, this whole concept that like our bodies adapt, and so if there's a, a, a new smell, we only, we smell it as strong as we're ever going to smell it the first time we smell it. And then once our bodies determine that that smell is not a threat, then we conserve energy by turning off smell receptors until the, it gets to the point where we actually don't smell it at all. And the place where I got to see this play out was um, this trip I've, I've mentioned from up here before, uh, 30 days out in the woods backpacking. I had one set of clothes. I hiked in that set of clothes for 30 days, and I slept in that set of clothes for 30 days. And didn't have a shower, didn't have deodorant, didn't have anything. And so for 30 days, we're out there. And the first day, you, you smell a little weird. And then everybody gets used to it, and nobody thought about it again. 
I mean, we're all around each other in close quarters and nobody smelled bad. And so we got back and it was all over and we, we had a change of clothes and we get back to base camp and there's uh, this beautiful feast set, set before us. And so we're supposed to go and shower and change and get ready to go eat. And y'all, when I got out of the shower, I could smell my clothes from the other room. And I liked, like some of those clothes were kind of expensive. And so I tried to wash them and wash them over and over again so I could keep wearing them. And they were ruined. I, I ran them through three cycles and they still smelled awful. And so why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because uh, what happened when I got back was that I was free from those clothes. I didn't realize um, how terrible it was until I was out and I had new clothes on. And, and now I have access to deodorant. I have access to a washing machine. I have access to a shower. And so this is what Paul is talking about with these people is that he's talking to Christians. And he said, in Christ, you have been made new. You are a new creation. Uh, the language that he uses here for you have put off and put on is the same language for taking off clothes and putting on clothes. You've put off the old self. You have put on Christ. That's already true about you. And now he says, don't go back to living in that old self. You're free. You're not stuck on the trail with this one, one suit of clothing. Like you are free. You have a washing machine now. You have a shower. Jesus has given you new clothing and he's given you everything you need to be clean. So don't go back to that old life. Okay, so that's what we're talking about tonight. And there's three, three observations I want to share with you. The first is what I'm going to call the smelly ecosystem. Okay, the smelly ecosystem. The second is being honest about how we smell. A lot of, a lot of smell stuff tonight. Um, and the third observation is, is how we wage war. So first, this idea of the smelly ecosystem. What is an ecosystem? Do we have any fifth graders here to tell us? <laughs> what is an ecosystem? Anybody know? That's, I'm not going to put that on y'all. I'll read it. The complex of living organisms, their physical environment, and all their interrelationships, okay? So it's this, this idea of all this stuff working together. So we're going to push pause on that. We'll come back to that in just a second. Paul starts this, this passage by saying, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What is he talking about? Is he talking about the physical world and he's inviting us to go be super spiritual and sit up on a mountain somewhere? No. Because God made the physical world. We don't need to escape the physical world. God made it, and he loves it. What he's talking about is the same thing that James was talking about in James 3.15 when he, he lists some synonyms, and he says, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So Paul is saying, these are the things that we are being called to put to death. These are the things that are in us that are opposed to God and what he is doing. So he's got these two lists. It's really just... A bunch, of, a bunch of things from the same list, but um, I'm gonna write a few of these down. First, this idea of sexual immorality. Then this idea of covetousness or greed. And then he talks about anger, malice. And then we're gonna talk about uh, slander and lying. Okay, so Paul, he gives this list, and I mean, this is stuff that's clearly in opposition to, to God. 
Sexual immorality. God gave us sex and our sexuality for flourishing, for life, for goodness, to be enjoyed. But when we, um, when we take this and we bastardize it and we make it all about us at everyone else's expense and we, we move outside of the bounds of what God has given us for our sexuality, um, then we're actually bringing destruction. We bring destruction onto our own souls. We bring destruction into the lives of our families and our communities. Greed, it's not this idea that I need to be a multimillionaire. It's just this idea that me first. Like I'm gonna get mine first before I even think about you. And it's also this idea that I don't need to be, I don't need to have the most. I just need to have more than you because I need to feel better about myself. Anger, malice, this, this idea of malice is that there are people in your life who you want to get theirs. I want you to get what's coming to you because I actually hate you. And I, I, want, I just want you to disappear. And rage, you know, a lot of us can think, I'm not an angry person, I don't flip out on people, but that's, that's not, you know, this stuff goes deep into the heart. And so we're also talking about those rage fantasies that you have. When your supervisor or your spouse or somebody in your life tells you something you don't want to hear and you go and you dwell on that, and you think about all the things that you should have said or could have said, that they should be thankful that you didn't say because you're going to put them in their place. And this idea of slander and lying, you know, making somebody else less to elevate myself. This idea of lying is not, not even just telling like bold-faced lies, but um, minimizing the things that are true about me that I don't like or I'm embarrassed about and exaggerating the things that I want to be more true of me. And so all this stuff, I mean, it's pretty clear. Like, this is, this is not good. This is in opposition to what God is up to and, and his character. But these, these aren't just individual things. Like, some of us struggle with one or two of these things, and then others struggle with a couple of other ones. This is, this is all connected. It's, it's like the opposite of what Paul says in Galatians when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, he says, hey, wherever the Spirit is, these things are going to be there. Not just some of these things, all these things. It's a package deal. And this is the opposite. Like this is life in the flesh opposed to God. So in fact, this is not just individual stuff. This is all interconnected in this ecosystem of self-worship, okay? What do I mean by that? So it's, we got this thing, our desires, the things that we think we want, that we think we need to make life work. So those things are on that list. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the sexual realm. Maybe it's greed. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's my own version of myself that I need to sell to you, whatever that is, whatever those desires are. And then that list is also full of the methods that we use to get our desires fulfilled. So maybe it's, it's me trying to validate myself in my eyes or in your eyes. Um, maybe it's me, I need something from you, so it's me manipulating you by using these things. You know, with my rage, maybe I'll scare you into doing what I want you to do. Maybe I'll lie to get you to do what I want you to do. Or if you're in my way, um, it's a way to defeat you or get you out of my way. So all of this stuff works together in this big interconnected ecosystem of self-worship where I'm at the top and it's me as God. And Paul is saying, these are the things that you once walked in when you were living in them. And what he means by that is this, apart from Jesus, this is all you know. Because it is the air you breathe, it is the water you swim in, 
It is everything because that is all we know apart from Jesus. And Paul says, first, I want to tell you all this story. So I was, I was at a coffee shop this week and I was sitting out on the, the back deck and these bar stools and there was this girl about three stools down and her friend comes walking out with two drinks in her hands and she's like cursing up a storm and she's like, yeah, forget everybody in there, forget everybody. You know, you blank, blank, blank. It's really hard to tell this story without being able to tell you what she said, I'm realizing now. <laughs> it loses some of its color. Um, but she's just going crazy, and her friend's like, what's the deal, you know? And she's like, well, you know, I'm walking through there with two drinks in my hands, and nobody even gets up to, to help me with the door. I'm like, forget you, yeah. You know, she's just so fired up about this. And it's like, man, you got a problem if that's going to get you that fired up. And so she sits down with her friend, and her friend starts asking her about, hey, have you been on any more dates lately? And clearly she's talking about some kind of dating app because she rattles off like 15 dudes that she's gone on dates with. And she's like naming them all and she's, you know, there's something wrong with all of them. Well, this guy, he's kind of cool, but he's not handsome. And this guy was, you know, he was good looking, but he was weird and for all these reasons. And so like literally I'm listening, I'm trying not to listen, but now all I can do is listen. <laughs> and she is going through this list of like 15 people who all have problems, including everybody in there that has a problem because they didn't get up and open the door. And then even, like, it even gets to the point where one of the dudes she's talking about, she says, I was like, this is unbelievable. She says, yeah, and this one guy, he's so weird. Like, he asked me if I had a boyfriend, and when I told him I did, like, all he wanted to do was talk about my boyfriend and, like, learn what, oh, what's he like. Like, that's weird. Who does that? I'm like, what is, <laughs> that is the least <laughs> weird thing that you've said so far. Um, and it all, it all ends with, with this great line. And she says, uh, the last dude she mentioned, she says, you know, he was just so self-absorbed and that's just not my thing. <laughs> and I threw my computer off the side. And I said, it is your thing. It is your only thing. That is, that is you. You are so self-absorbed. That's all, that's it. That is your thing. I've known you for 30 seconds and that is your thing. <laughs> Like, there is no other thing in your world. It's you. And the reason I was able to identify that so well is because it's my thing, right? Like, I'm so self-absorbed. That's why it's so easy for me to see that in somebody else. Like, it is the water that we swim in. It's the air that we breathe. This, apart from God's grace, is all that I know. That is it. And Paul says, on account of this ecosystem of self-worship, that the wrath of God is coming. Man, that's an idea that we don't like to talk about very much. And, and it's easy to, to hear that and just wince and be like, ooh, I don't like the way that sounds. Like, who is he? What does he think? Like, and that just shows where our hearts are. Because here's the reality. Like I said before, God is good. And everywhere he goes and anything that he's doing, any plan that he has for his creation or his creatures is good. And it's for flourishing, it's for life, it's for goodness. So literally by definition, when I sin, when I oppose him, I am bringing destruction into his creation. And so because he is a good father, like a good father, when he finds out that there is someone abusing his child, 
He doesn't invite them in to live in the house in the spare bedroom and invite them into parenting the child with him, right? And Jesus is a good king. And when a good king finds out that there are people that have come and they are looting and plundering and abusing their people, they don't invite them to stay. They don't turn the other way. They set their army loose to destroy them. And so that's good. So the one with the problem is not God, it's us. And so in this life, we can only find ourselves sitting in one of two chairs. I'm either sitting in this chair where I'm trying to build my own kingdom with all of this stuff, all of these tools, and I'm opposing God, whether I want to say that out loud or not, that's reality. Or I'm sitting in this chair where, by God's grace, Jesus has changed my life and he's changed my heart and he's in the process of of renewing me and I'm asking God to bring those changes. I'm asking God to make me new, why? Because now I care. I don't wanna bring death and destruction to my own soul anymore. I don't wanna bring death and destruction to the people in my life and my community. So I'm saying, Lord, please change me because I want to get on board with what you're doing. I don't want to be an agent of destruction. I want to be an agent of good. I want to know what you're up to and get on board. So that's this, this ecosystem of self-worship. And so the, the, the second thing I want to talk about tonight is this idea of being honest about how we smell. How many of y'all had ever had somebody tell you that your breath smells bad? Yeah, everybody. Okay, when someone tells you that, what is your first response? And I don't even mean physically, I mean internally. Are you thankful or are you angry? And, and then just think about that. Think about how weird that is. Like the fact that your breath smells bad is, is a, an objective fact. And so the fact that this person is wanting to share that with you should make you thankful, right? That they're saying, I want, I want the, the torture to end here. I, don't, I want this to be the end. Like, and, and it's like, hey, thank you, because I don't want that either, right? I don't want to walk around the world smelling terrible in front of everybody. So any study that's ever been done asking non-Christians what their number one problem with Christians is. Somebody tell me if you got to guess what you think that is. What? Self-righteous. Self-righteous, yeah, this idea of hypocrisy. Like, yeah, I can't get into that because Christians are hypocrites. Stop lying about who you are and stop lying about who you aren't. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to get stuck in this anymore. You can be honest because guess what? You have already put off the old self and you have already put on the new self. Jesus has come and supernaturally pulled you out and given you new life. He's given you himself. That is past tense. That is fixed forever. So your future and your hope in Christ are secure. But that's not all. Paul says you've put off the old self and put on the new self, which is being renewed 
in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's this idea that God is outside of time and space. So in a very real way, we are already fully complete and made new in Christ. But we live in time and space. And so as we speak, the Holy Spirit is inside of us, renewing us, making us new. That verb there is, a, is in the present continuous tense. It's literally a work in progress. So you and I are a work in progress. And so let me ask you this. Is it okay to be a work in progress? Do we live like that? Because it's easy to say yes, but then our, our actions and our attitudes betray us because a lot of times I don't live like it's okay to be a work in progress. But Jesus says it's okay because he says that's exactly what's happening right now. And I didn't save myself to begin with. And I can't do the work that's necessary to renew myself. He has to do that. And so the reality is it is okay to be a work in progress. And in the truth of the gospel, I shouldn't have any problem just raising my hands and saying, yeah, I'm a work in progress. I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to go the, the wrong way. I'm still learning. That's what we say with our boys all the time is, you know, we, we have to have talks with them and say, hey, we're all still learning. Mommy and daddy are still learning too. It's this idea of, you know, n nobody's expecting perfection. Imagine the difference that this makes if we were really be able to own this and live like this, live out of this reality. Think about the, the childlike freedom that we could live with day in and day out if it really was okay for me to still be in process. Act as brothers and sisters in Christ trying to live in community together. Then when you come to me with, with something that I've done to offend you or hurt you, my first response is not to do these things but because I'm okay and I should expect that, my first response is to want to learn more, to lean in, because guess what? I don't want to hurt you. I want to love you. I want to change. And so I want to learn more so that I can take that to Jesus and ask him to do that in me. Like think about how that changes our, our friendships and our relationships. And that's what Jesus is saying is like, that's part of what I've come to do. That's the gospel. I've come for this to be a reality, like it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and this is part of that freedom. You don't have to be somebody you're not. So it's important that we talk about that before we, we move into this last point, because it's so tempting to hear this, this call to arms and, and to get it, get it totally wrong, but that's um, our, our third observation here is, is how we wage war. So the first question is, do you realize that you're in a war? Do you live like that? Are you surprised when things aren't comfortable? Are you surprised when things aren't easy? Because the reality is, if you are in Christ, you are in a war. There's an enemy. There's an enemy who wants to destroy you. And he, he not only wants to destroy you in your whole life, he wants to use you to destroy other people in their lives. There's a... An, a man named uh, J.C. Ryle, who's a, a, a pastor, he was a pastor and a theologian, and, and he said, the child of God has two great marks by which he will be known, inward warfare and inward peace. 
inward peace because our hope, our identity is secure in Christ, inward warfare because now we're strangers even in our own bodies. And we are fighting against the old man. We are fighting against the old self. So Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you. This, This word put to death means take extreme measures to destroy the strength of. And the amazing thing is that you and I now have the power to do that in Christ. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you. It doesn't say that you won't sin again, but it says that sin no longer will have any dominion over you. You are no longer a slave to sin, since you are not under the law but under grace. And so two things I want to talk about here, this idea of putting to death what is earthly. I want to answer two questions. One, why do we do it? Why does it matter? Why does Paul call us to this? And two, how? How do we do it? So first, the why. Um, because it's really, really serious. James 1.15 says that when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So it's this idea that, that all that is in us, like, you know, when I got back from, from the Knowles trip and got rid of the old clothes, what is in me that still makes smelly clothes is still in me right? Body odor, okay? So if I'm not showering and if I'm not washing my clothes, that's going to come back. And so God's trying to tell us that like, hey, this is still possible for you even when you're in Christ because you still live in the old man. And so these little weeds are always going to be taking root and springing up and you always have to be pulling those weeds. For my Stranger Things fans out there, um, go back to season two when Dustin got his pet D'Artagnan. You remember that? That weird little slug thing? Think think about what Paul's talking about in terms of of this. You know, what happens? He finds this thing, and he really likes it. And he doesn't think it's going to do any harm. And he doesn't want anybody to know about it, because he doesn't want his friends to challenge him or or tell him that he needs to give it up or do something with it. And so he hides it, okay? So it's like this stuff. Maybe, Maybe you got a little sexual stuff going on. You got a little greed stuff, a little anger stuff going on. You think, hey, I'm not doing anything or saying anything to act on it it's just in here well the reality is it's already destroying your soul and it's not going to stay in there it's going to get out and it's going to grow and it's going to going to hurt people like this this little d'artagnan turns into this weird devil dog and eats his cat and tries to kill everybody and that's what paul's saying like sin is trying to do that okay so you you got to expose it you got to get it out there you got to do something with it Many of us in Christ don't experience or enjoy this new life that Jesus says is ours because what is, what is new in us is lying dormant because it's being choked out by these weeds of sin and self. So it's a really big deal. And so how do we do this? How do we engage in putting to death what's earthly in us? And this is, this is the key. We can only do this by the Holy Spirit's power. It's not by trying harder. It's not by pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. It is by depending a thousand percent on the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Paul says this in Romans 8, 13, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. John Owen, who's a Puritan pastor and theologian, said this um, about putting to death what's earthly in us. This is the work of the Spirit, By him alone it is to be accomplished, and by no other power is it to be brought about. Putting to death what is earthly in us from a self-strength 
ends in a self-righteousness and is the soul and substance of all false religion in the world. So now it's time to talk about athlete's foot. You guys knew it was going to come. So if you've ever had athlete's foot, and I have because I'm an athlete, it's, it is painful, okay? But here's how it starts. You can't really see it, but your foot itches like crazy. And so what do you do? You claw it to smithereens, and it brings relief for a few seconds. And then you realize your foot is a mess, and it's bleeding, and it's not getting any better. It's still itching because what is wrong is not on the surface. It's not something that you can take care of in your own power. So you have now just abused your foot and it's still itching and the fungus is growing, okay? What you need is something outside of yourself. You need to go to the doctor and get medicine. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. Like we do battle against what is earthly in us by the power of the Spirit, not by trying harder, okay? We need a power that's outside of us. This is what Jesus is talking about in this passage in John 13 where he's, he's washing his disciples' feet in the upper room. If you're like me, that's always been a little confusing what he says because he's going around and he's washing the disciples' feet and he gets to Peter and Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, then you'll have no share with me. And Peter says, okay, well then wash everything. And Jesus says, no, 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 I don't have to wash everything. I just have to wash your feet because I've already washed you. You're already clean. And the one who's already been washed, the one who's already clean, just has to wash his feet. What's he talking about there? It's exactly what Paul's saying in this passage. Jesus has already made us new. He's already cleaned us. But we live in this world. We live in these bodies. We live with other people who, who are still in their bodies of flesh. And so when we walk around the world, we're going to get dirty feet. And Jesus says, that's okay. Come to me and I'll wash those too. And that's something that needs to happen on a regular basis. But you don't need to worry about being okay before me because remember, I live in you now. I've already made you clean. That's not up for grabs. Like my love for you is secure. And so I'm just inviting you to come and let me clean you up each day. So that's what we're talking about here. We're, we're, we're not talking about doing something that, to, make, to make sure that God still loves us. And so what's our part in all of this? You know, how do, how do we come alongside the Holy Spirit and, and put to death what is earthly in us? And it's this idea of stoking one fire and starving another. Okay, so we're starving the fire of our flesh, and we do that by exposing you know, you, something that's moldy and damp that's been in the basement, it's just been festering, you bring it out into the sun and it, it dries off the mold and, and it disappears. So that's what confession is in the life of a Christian. Like it's, it's bringing out this stuff that, that I'm seeing in myself and bringing it to God and to one other person. Why do I say that? Because as Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, if I'm only confessing to God in my head, then there's a really good chance that I'm not talking to God at all, I'm just talking to myself. But when I confess it to God and to a brother or sister in Christ, that brings a gravity and a reality to it, and God meets us there in a special way that doesn't just happen when I'm talking to him in my head. And what happens when he meets us there is part of the power of this spell is broken. 
and it weakens this sin. The other thing, the other way that we expose uh, sin in our lives to, to strip it of its power is to start getting curious about the strategy of our enemy. Why do I keep doing these same things? Why, when I'm in these situations, are these are the situations where I'm weakest and most prone to sin in these, these certain ways? What does the evil one know about me that I don't know about myself yet? And it's, it's becoming wise, and it's taking those things to the Lord and saying, Lord, here's what I know is true about me. Will you continue to renew me? Will you continue to grow me and change me? And then the other, the other side of that coin is stoking the fire of this new life. It is experiencing and enjoying Jesus in us. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. It's this idea of beholding the glory of the Lord. That when my eyes are open to him, the reality of who he is more and more and more, and he becomes more beautiful to me because I'm able to see him as he really is more and more, that changes me. That changes my loves. That, that reorders my loves. That changes my tastes. And that makes all this stuff over here less appealing. So it's this, this twin idea of, of starving one fire and stoking another. And if, if you were sitting here tonight and you were hearing this message when you were in the deep, deep battles with some sin that is, is just, you feel like is crushing you, I want you to hear this. If you are in Christ, you don't ever have to fear that that sin is going to crush you. Because again, it is not your battle to fight you fight alongside Jesus in his power, but it is what he has done and what he is doing. So we're going to sing a few songs here. And if you're in that place, you don't have to hang your head. You can sing, and in fact, you should sing loud and clear to celebrate and to remind yourself of what's true. The last song that we're going to sing is uh, We Will Rejoice in the House of Zion. And if you're in Christ, that's true of you no matter how you feel today, no matter how your battle against the things that are earthly in you is going. And so you can celebrate that wherever you are. And you can know that you don't have to be afraid to be honest about where you are and to bring this stuff to your Savior and to your brothers and sisters in Christ because you are a work in process. And so am I. And that's exactly where you need to be. And the Lord is good and he's going to make good on his promises. And he is going to see that your hope is secure and he's going to bring you to himself and while we're here we got to pick up our swords every day and fight this battle but there's a day coming when we can lay him down and we're going to be with him forever so let's celebrate that jesus we love you and we thank you for loving us lord we confess that we um are still living uh in ways that are opposed to you and we thank you for your deep mercy that we no longer have to fear your condemnation we don't have to fear your judgment you're not putting us to death anymore you are inside of us putting to death these things that are earthly that are killing us that are stealing from us what is ours now in you which is this new life and lord we ask that you would come and you would um, enable us to enjoy and experience this new life uh, to greater depths and new ways 
this very night. In Jesus' name, amen.